On the show today, Rich and I discuss the career of Bruce Willis and a historical cocktail to honor the man. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the April 4th, 2022 edition of Coffee and Koshan. So, Rich, we heard this week that uh, Bruce Willis, the great Bruce Willis, is retiring from acting, and he has a, a a condition called aphasia, which means that you know what you want to say, you just can't say it, uh, and also you can see written words, but you can't necessarily fully understand them, which would make it very difficult if you are an actor and, and you have to read a script and, and you have to then speak those lines, and apparently it's been a problem for his uh, career recently on, on some projects. Uh, so he's going to retire from acting. Now, we have talked about Bruce Willis on the show before, uh, during the Christmas show when we were talking about great, great Christmas movies, and of course Die Hard is a great Christmas movie. Um, but I wanted to talk about the other movies he's done, and he has nearly 200 credits to his name. He's been in a, a, a ton of things. Um, we kind of forget, and we mentioned this a little bit on the show, and I want you to go into this in a minute, that Bruce Willis wasn't initially the pick for Die Hard. The studio was concerned about Bruce Willis. Could he pull that off? Because he wasn't an action star before Die Hard. That wasn't his his uh, his genre, right? Right. He came out of the world of, of more comedy and has very much an everyman on-screen persona, which is part of the reason Die Hard worked, because it wasn't this super chiseled action star. But at the time, you know, that was a risk because those roles went to super chiseled action stars. Yeah, and I think that's what's important. And, and if you go back now and you watch Die Hard, and I noticed one of the channels on uh, uh, TV this week was running all the Die Hards in, in tribute to Bruce Willis. Um, but if you go back and you watch that original Die Hard, he's, he's just the cop on vacation there to meet his ex-wife. And, you know, there's all this, like, tension. And having gone through that myself, I understand that. Um, but when you see him in that film, he just nails it. I mean, he is... John McClane, and he does such a good job in that movie, and of course it changed his whole career. Um, he's done a ton of projects since then, uh, a lot of action movies, obviously, because he became an action star, uh, but a lot of other things. And I wanted to highlight my three favorite Bruce Willis roles, not including a Die Hard movie. And by the way, if you haven't seen the Die Hard movies in a while, you want to go back and watch them again. The first one is, of course, an instant classic and something you should have in your regular Christmas rotation. The third one that he does with Samuel L. Jackson was actually really good and, and sort of got forgotten. It came out right after the Oklahoma City bombing, and so it didn't do very well at the box office. Um, but that one's a good one to go back and watch if you want to see another great um, Die Hard movie. And, of course, it has Samuel L. Jackson, and so it's fantastic. But uh, my, three favorite die, uh, my three favorite Bruce Willis movies not named Die Hard. Um, I love him in Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, I think he's great. He plays the police chief that's trying to track down these two runaway kids. Um, I think that's that's a great uh, great performance. He was fantastic in Sin City. If you haven't seen Sin City, uh, that's a great movie. He does really well in that. And then going back to his original roots here, I loved, I absolutely loved his turn on Friends where he played the dad of a girl that Ross is dating and he ends up um, dating Rachel and it, it is just... It, <laughs> It is fantastic. It is just full of great moments. It was like a three or four episode arc, I think, if I remember correctly. 
Um, and he was fantastic in that. Um, and it really showed that he's, he's, he's not just an action star. He, he, he grew up and, you know, got his bona fides, uh, in Hollywood and comedy. And, um, in that one and in Moonrise Kingdom, he really hits it out of the park on a comedic level. I think it's great. Yeah, I would have to agree. I've seen these lists going around Twitter of people's favorite Bruce Willis movies that aren't Die Hard. And I haven't seen Moonrise Kingdom listed, but I'm right there with you in that being one of his great roles. And it's especially poignant now that we know what has been going on with him because it's a more well, it was a 2012, I believe. So it's not super recent, but it is a nice cap of sorts to such a great career, uh, especially given Wes Anderson's ability to pull off the ensemble cast, which, you know, the ensemble cast is one of those great ideas that often fails in execution because it come becomes too much about the cast and not about the story. But Anderson has a great way of bringing these people in and pulling out other sides of their acting ability. And so that it really truly works. And in moonrise kingdom, just seeing this, you know, Bruce Willis is he's having an affair. He's trying to take care of this kid and how he almost stumbles into like foster parenting with the, the, the scout of, uh, you know, helping this boy find his way in this film. I, I uh, fell asleep, but I was watching when I heard the news. That was the first movie I went to was Moonrise Kingdom. Another one that I haven't seen in years, uh, probably since it first came out, that I would like to revisit is Blind Date, which oh, yeah. was just a ridiculous yeah. movie, but it was hilarious at the time. Yeah, that's another good one, and 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 it's funny because if you go back and you see some of those so, some of those early eighties, nineties Bruce Willis movies, um, they're really entertaining. Yeah, I mean he's always been great on screen. Uh, I, I another one I haven't gone back and watched, but my first, as I mentioned on the Christmas show, my first exposure to Bruce Willis was Moonlighting, which was just you yeah. know this ridiculous you know uh, detective show. It was on I believe ABC, although maybe it was NBC, but I believe it was ABC, and you know you can really see the beginnings of what Bruce Willis always was, what he would become back in that old show, even though it was more of a, a, just a television sitcom of the time. And he brought some of that sensibility into Die Hard. And what's been great, and you mentioned Friends, is he's always been able to add that effortless comedy to any role that he portrays. Uh, It's not always played up you look at uh movies like uh the uh m night Shyamalan film uh, what is it called i just uh, had a brain fart here where he plays the superhero who doesn't know he's a superhero there's not as much comedy in that but he he just you always feel like you're watching a person that you could just hang out and drink a beer with as opposed to a creation of hollywood yeah and i think that's that's what really was valuable for him at the box office is that he was someone who could connect with, you know, the swaths of middle America, the people who go to see these movies. Um, That's one of the things Hollywood is really having trouble with right now, actually, I think, is that they're making so many movies. And if you see the movies that get nominated for Oscars these days, they're they're so obscure. They're movies that no one saw. They're movies about things which no one really cares about. And they don't really connect with the viewer. And the thing about Bruce Willis 
much like Harrison Ford, is that he could just reach out and connect with you um, in a minute. And uh, you could put yourself in his shoes, and he was really good at, at doing that for people. Um, and I think that's what made Bruce Willis and his career so special. Yes, and that's what makes it so sad for him to now have this aphasia and be stepping away. And it also makes sense when you look at his body of work over the past couple of years when it's so much direct to video and now that uh, the truth has come out, you know, that the Razzies created an award just to mock Bruce Willis. And now we find out that he was putting money in the bank for his family. He was using earbuds and things like that to to remember his lines. And he would just show up and work four to eight hours over two days and collect his several million dollars and go to the next movie. And people thought that he had just kind of fallen off a cliff and what was he doing? And now that we know it's just, it's a tremendous loss for American culture. And and I really hope that he's able to enjoy some dignity and, and be able to enjoy life as much as possible now that he's stepping away and, you know, perhaps we'll get to see him again, but if not, he's left us with this huge body of work. Absolutely. He's left us with a lot to enjoy that we can show our kids and our grandkids down the road. I mean, Bruce Willis is one of those, actors who will be around years from now even after he's long gone Bruce Willis will maintain because he's just so um he's so special now uh one thing I do want to talk about uh Bruce Willis at one point in his life before he was Bruce Willis um was a bartender and and you and I are uh uh shall I say uh experienced drinkers and um, so <laughs> yes. uh, we talked about uh, the way to wrap this show up and honor uh, Bruce Willis was with a great drink. And uh, you came up with a great one, um, the sidecar. And and before we get into the sidecar itself, the sidecar features cognac. And that is something that most Americans, I think, are a little afraid of. It seems a little hoity-toity. It's, it's not something that uh, you think of right away that you need in your bar. Um, but before you get into the sidecar, describe why it's important to have cognac uh, in your bar at home. Well, for starters, it's much more approachable than one would think. It's, uh, you know, a, a grape based uh, spirit. So it's got a little bit more sweetness than I think people suspect when they hear about this brown liquor that you just drink in a glass. But the reason I keep it in my bar is not because I drink it that often, but because I like Julia Child's onion soup, which is a recipe that right before serving, you hit it with a splash of cognac before you sit down and enjoy your bowl. And and that's why I have it in my bar. And it's a simple thing that you can buy. It's not overly expensive. Now, certainly you can spend a lot of money on it, but if you're going to be putting it in soup or making the occasional cocktail, I would not recommend going for the the, the Louis the 13th or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I have uh, some Cavassier, which uh, did enjoy some cultural cachet at one point when, uh, uh, maybe during the 90s when rappers would talk about uh, cognac a little bit, although they've moved on from that. But that's why I have it in my bar, is, is just to have. It's one of those great things that when you do need it, and it's there, you've got it. So 
you should go out. I recommend everyone listening go out and buy a bottle of reasonably priced cognac just to have around. There's also Armagnac and brandy. Uh, brandy is more accessible to people, but they maybe don't realize that it's the same thing, but it comes back to French law about regions. So for it to be cognac, it comes from the cognac, you know, Armagnac from a different region, brandy outside of France. So there's a, a little quick primer for anyone who was wondering about the, the overall differences between those uh, spirits. Now let's but, talk about the sidecar. So the sidecar is one of those classic, classic cocktails. And it's one of those that you can really measure a bartender by, right? Yes, because it's such a simple drink, but it's one that can vex bartenders. And I don't necessarily hold it against everyone because it's it's not a drink that's ordered frequently. I waited tables for years and I think over, you know, six years I served maybe one or two uh, sidecars. And I, and I worked in a, in a Ruth Chris Steakhouse for most of that. So it was a type of place that you would find more of those classic cocktails, although at the time I was there, it was at the peak of the vodka craze. So everybody was getting, you know, these giant glasses of vodka. Uh, nobody wanted vermouth. They just really wanted a giant glass of cold vodka with uh, some sort of garnish in it, you know, a, a blue cheese olive or whatever it, you know, was, was popular on that particular day. But it is a drink that a bartender should know how to make because it is so simple. And it's also a term that uh, throws people because sometimes people will use the word, the, the name sidecar interchangeably with chaser. So, you know, hey, I need a Budweiser with a Jack sidecar. No, 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 no. That's that's not a sidecar. That's a chaser. That's a back, whatever. But a sidecar is a specific drink requiring cognac. Uh, some orange liqueur. I used Cointreau. You could, you know, you could also use triple sec or you could step up to uh, Grand Marnier, which is a type of uh, cognac itself uh, with one steeped in oranges. But I just use Cointreau because uh, I figured middle of the road is good enough. And then fresh lemon juice. So it's one and a half ounces of the cognac and then three quarters ounce each of fresh lemon juice and the orange liqueur. Now, as with all things bar, you have to use fresh juice. I cannot stress enough the difference that using freshly squeezed juice makes in a cocktail. Yes, you know, there are times maybe you're making your tuna salad or whatever when your little plastic container of real lemon will do the trick. This is not such a case. The, the fresh juice, it just, it has a brighter, slightly sweeter flavor that gets lost no matter how well they package this stuff to be shelf stable. And the reason I went with that is uh, in Bonfire of the Vanities, there was a scene where Bruce is hanging out with a guy who has a sidecar, which is, again, it's not one that pops up a lot. And, and he's actually done. He worked with a vodka company for a while. And being an old school bartender, he... He came up with some drinks as part of this promotion, but one of the drinks he came up with was vodka and uh, tonic, which is, uh, sorry, Bruce, no matter what your uh, your chops were behind the bar, that is not a creation. And the other that I found <laughs> that he came up with was vodka and apple juice. 
And while I've got three daughters and always have <laughs> a- apple juice in the house, there's just something, you know, like, no, I, I just couldn't do it. So that's when I, I went to the sidecar and it was a nice spring day yesterday. I always like to make one of these and have one before the show or the day before. Usually I, I don't get up and uh, uh, have a drink before we record. <laughs> But so I was like, you know, I'll have a sidecar. Now, the one optional aspect of the sidecar that I personally don't like, because to me it's sweet enough as is, you can opt to rim your glass with sugar. And it's served straight up uh, in a coupe glass or uh, uh, preferably. I actually don't have coupes, so I just used a, a, a regular rocks glass. But I skipped the sugar. But if you're looking for a slightly sweeter take on it, then, you know, take a little bit of that uh, lemon after you, before or after you squeeze it, rim the outside of your glass and then put it, uh, dunk it in some sugar. And so I think with Bruce being the classic actor that he is a man for all seasons, I think the sidecar is a great choice to have while watching any number of the fantastic movies that he's made. There you go. That's it right there. You can sit down, have a wonderful sidecar uh, that Rich just uh, taught you how to make, and you can watch a great Bruce Willis movie. Rich, thanks so much. Appreciate it. And fantastic as always, Brad. Brad. <laughs>